We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nikhami, entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of my very own beauty brand, Carmela Cosmetics, and business consultant. This is We Are Women, Beauty Redefined, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast features different women whose names you probably recognize. You've seen them, been following them, and might even think that they've always had it together. Listen in to hear the women you know and love share their journeys with self-acceptance and self-love, discovering their unique beauty and confidence in a society that for so long has focused on exemplifying a specific beauty standard. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night and we are women. Beauty redefined. If you've been part of our community for a while, you know that I am a huge fan of self-care, feeling and looking our best from the inside out. I am so excited to share with you part of my own wellness journey with a wonderful studio that truly focuses on you becoming your healthiest self inside and out. This podcast episode is sponsored by Olivia Wellness, a wellness studio that I've been going to for close to a year now and I'm a huge fan of. We all want to feel and look our best from the inside out. That means glowing skin, a healthy immune system, increased energy, and less bloating and inflammation. Olivia Wellness is a wellness studio located in Herald Square in Hoboken, New Jersey, dedicated to detoxification and self-care with services in colon hydrotherapy and lymphatic drainage. Colon hydrotherapy is used to eliminate toxins, leading to a healthier body and reduced inflammation from the inside out. Paired with Olivio's signature 60-minute lymphatic drainage massage and you're in for a relaxing day of detoxing. You deserve to feel your best. Visit oliviawellness.co. That's A-L-I-V-I-O-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S dot C-O and use code CARMELLA10 for $10 off individual service. Tonight's podcast episode features Elena Nicolau, who I originally became friends with through Instagram And then we realized that we were literally neighbors, such a small world, and it was so refreshing to meet her and hear her perspective on life. So I pretty much begged her to come on the podcast and share her story and insights with us. Elena is an entertainment editor at Today.com and has previously worked at Refinery29 and Oprah Daily. She is a very cool and articulate writer and editor. During this interview, Elena shared how feeling like an outsider contributed to who she is today. We spoke about how Instagram contributes to body image challenges, and she shared her ideas of what we can do to help our girls grow up with increased body confidence. Elena also shared how her mom helped her develop her self-worth by helping her feel valued for more than just her body, and the importance of having more empathy for yourself. We spoke about the struggles of aging, of our bodies changing, and, and how we can sometimes change different aspects of the way we look. But if we don't love ourselves, we'll always find something we don't like. We spoke about the importance of doing what we need to do to feel confident and beautiful, how we should love our bodies for all they have done for us and focus on that, and find the positive aspects of what we've been served. But most importantly, how every human is worthy of love, regardless of weight, size, shapes, or ages. Listen in and be inspired. Oh my gosh, young Elena. She is very 
much within me. She's very present. You really only have to go back like one layer, I would say. She had glasses. I currently have glasses, curly hair, <laughs> currently have curly hair, always reading. I'm always reading. Um, I took pride as a kid in like, you know, those library challenges they used to have. I was like schooling the library challenge. I was going to the adult section when I was still very much a juvenile. I was, I should have been reading the kids section and I was not, what else? <laughs> I was very dreamy head in the clouds. Like I knew that I didn't fit in, but I also knew that I couldn't fit in. Like there wasn't really any changes I could make to like suddenly be popular. So I was just like, all right, this is me. <laughs> it's sort of, I, I do think that being like goofy looking when you're a kid forces you to form a personality. So I definitely did that. I formed a personality at a young age and I was always reading and writing. It's so weird how like the things you do when you're a kid become the person you are as an adult for so many of us. And certainly for me, like that, I definitely define myself by reading and writing and I still do <laughs> in my <So> hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your job. I mean, you, you literally write for a living, but we'll talk about that soon. But how did not the fact that you didn't, you felt like you didn't fit in, which is by the way, very common for creatives, right? Um, how did that contribute to who you are today? I mean, I think it contributed everything to who I am today. It gives you the outsider perspective. I always hear writers being like, because and, and I could say this for myself, when you're forced to be an observer, you start paying attention to other people in a new way. And you also have to like, if, or at least how I saw it, since I didn't fit in, I had to like be a little bit more, um, not a social operator. I just had to pay attention. I had to like, it would, you know, school's like a survival zone. So I had to to become socially aware and try to survive in the situation I did so by being a good observer. I also think that my observer qualities um, were more acute because my dad is from Cyprus. So every summer my sister and I would go to Cyprus. So then I had the double layer of not fitting in because I was American and I didn't speak Greek fluently. And so then you're really observing another culture, but meanwhile, these people are your family. So you're supposed to be really close to them. So that was like another kind of double vision. I do think though it benefited me um, that feeling of of not being popular because <laughs> then once you find your people you're like oh so this is what it feels you know you you find like a very genuine belonging once you finally do land on it for sure but was it difficult at the time feeling like you didn't fit in um, I think I was very lucky to have a family where I was very loved and accepted and I did have friends that. I knew saw me, but I think because I had that like cocoon of acceptance at home, I, and they never made me feel bad about like how I looked or, or my weird nerdiness. I kind of just like had the faith it would be fine. I was a happy kid. I just knew I was weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I knew I was weird. You erased <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, this is me. <laughs> so funny because now like these days, bro, can you imagine if you were growing up now, it would be so different because weirdness or whatever I say that in quote with quotes you know has been so accepted like the weirder yeah. you are the more the more like the more different you are the cooler you are you know what I'm saying yeah I think so I think I would have like definitely had more of a blog <laughs> I would have been big on the internet I do think though a lot of things have stayed the same like the pressures that girls face to look a certain way are the same I think I would have had the same problems with my appearances of being chubby and having frizzy hair like maybe 
people would have commented less that I didn't straighten it. Maybe I wouldn't have felt the pressure to straighten it, but I'm sure I would have felt pressures to like have Instagram face and like get fillers when I was like 15. Like it just would have been something else. So I'm sometimes I'm happy I grew up back then, like before Instagram, you know? Totally. Yeah. I know the Instagram world has, you know, actually I want to hear from you. Um, I feel like we're, we're going to go all over the place, but that's fine because we're two creatives and just like our conversation when we like met for drinks a couple weeks ago, it's going to yeah. be the same. So, which is totally fine. So now that you brought up the social media thing, let's discuss that for a minute, because in your opinion, how, how, how has social media contributed to, to, um, to body image challenges and, you know, the way girls see themselves? It honestly scares me. I talk about this all the time. I think that, and the reason I'm, I, I'm not even talking about girls. I'm talking about myself. Like if you go on social media enough and you use enough filters, you will start to believe that you do not look okay. I'm not, I'm talking about like the entire range of beauty standards, no matter where you are, you will start to believe that you don't look okay. And that's not true. That is like the algorithm manipulating you. That's people, you know, plastic surgeons who are getting paid to like, they, they want you to think that so that you go into their offices and change yourself. If you want to do that, I'm all for it. Like I'm totally, everyone should be able to do whatever they want with their body. What I don't like is like the pressure to feel that that's mandatory. You shouldn't feel that. And I really think that, um, Instagram, like both the, the way that people have bodily alterations to look a certain way as if that is they were born like that is is pervasive and then there's also this weird thing and I was talking to a teenager about this and she blew my mind she was like okay when you went to high school you were competing against the prettiest girl in your high school that's who you were sort of like oh my god she's beautiful she was like now I'm competing I don't know if competing is the right word against everybody in the whole world. So you just, just are seeing like all of these beautiful kids your age and you're like, what's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. Like you're you, they are them. Uh, anyway, I really do think that it's a problem because women are, um, it's just, it's complicated. And I wish that people just use social media to like have fun and form <laughs> communities. <laughs> but like, that isn't really what's happening, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like when yeah. it first came out, that's what it was. Yeah. There, there were no fancy feeds or edited pictures. All of a sudden all the editing apps started coming out and, you know, things start and, and people started posting these like photoshopped, exactly. ridiculously photoshopped pictures and it changed the way. What, what do you think that as a society we, we could do to, to help, help our girls and women and friends and peers, you know, it's not only about teenagers and it, it's about yeah. everybody. Honestly, it's such a good question. I, I think that there are like so many layers of this. Obviously, like I do think that these platforms should be regulated for a number of reasons. They've been left to run wild, but I do think that like, I guess in terms of what we can do with our girls, like pay attention to them, have conversations with them. Like don't, don't, I, I don't know. I'm not a parent, so it's hard for me to say what, what should parents do. But like, I know that if I were a teenager, doom scrolling on Facebook or doom scrolling on not Facebook. They don't use Facebook doom scrolling on like TikTok or Instagram. And my algorithm just started only serving me plastic surgery pages, which mine does because I become so obsessed with them. It would mess with me. Luckily, like I have a more of a formed brain so I can sometimes beat it. Although I do get bouts of like, oh my God, should I be like 
going to plastic surgeon right now. But if I were a teenager, I think it would really affect me. So I think parents should be like, or people should be um, watching out for their algorithm because you can get into a trap there. And then the other thing I think is really important is having TV shows and movies where the kids look like kids. So there was this movie that came out called 13, I think. What was it called? No, eighth grade. It was called eighth grade. And the girl who was in it was named Elsie Fisher. She was like 13 years old. She looked like a totally normal girl. And it was this sweet movie. It was the movie I wished I had when I was that age. And it just is like a media depiction of a normal 13 year old girl. And it was so refreshing. And I think that like seeing yourself reflected back to you is really important. And Instagram doesn't always do the best job. TikTok, I think probably does a little bit of a better job, but not always. Yeah, this stuff matters though for kids. It's such a hard time when you're a teenager and your body image really affects your sense of self. And I really think it does for your whole life, but especially when you're a teenager. Um, and I hope that these kids find avenues to love themselves without uh, compromising themselves. Yes, same. You know, it's, it's interesting that you brought up that you have formed brain at this point, right? Because you're an adult in your late 20s. Um, versus a teenager whose brain is still forming. So, it, you know, I remember reading this magazine about a woman, they were talking about the social media pressures and whatever, and the fakeness. And she, she, she mentioned how she, she's jealous of her friends' fake lives. Mm. And she said, she knows, like, she knows that it's, that it's not real. You know, yeah. she sees her husband, her friend's husband taking her friend out to dinner and fancy restaurants all the time. And she knows that this husband treats her friend really poorly. He's not a, he's a really bad husband. And yet she's still, the few selfies that they take at these restaurants, she gets so jealous. And then she's like, I'm jealous of her fake life. It's not mm -hmm. even, so mm -hmm. even when we, our brains are, you know, formed and, and we're adults, it's still hard. So yep. the pressures that teenagers have, oh my gosh, it's like yeah. next level. I know like all the books that I've been reading, I've been reading all these spiritual books. There are a lot of them talk about like how the number one thing, well, among the number one things we shouldn't do is compare ourselves to other people. And that is, I think, psychologically too, like the root of a lot of unhappiness. I know we all do it. I mean, that's how a lot of my spirals start comparing myself and on social media, it's impossible not to compare yourself. It really is yeah. very difficult. So um, unless you can find a way to utilize it for your own, you know, and have fun with it, however, that, that whatever that means to you. But um, I think if you're like really being authentic on social media and doing it for you uh, and you don't scroll too much, you can, you'll be okay. <laughs> but aside from that, it can be hard. But that I was having a conversation with my friend about that too. She was like, going on Instagram and talking about how every time she's on it, she becomes more depressed. And so I was like, as you were saying, this isn't anybody's real life. Like it's the highlight reel saturated and high and with extra effects. <laughs> like this is not yeah. your real life. It's really about using the platform consciously, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Using it consciously and with an intention, like intention. what am I getting out of this and stick to that because it's so easy to get lost. And then you're going to wake up one day and be 50 and be like, oh my God, how much time did I spend on freaking Instagram? Can I have that time back? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's totally true. Yeah. And um, as you see people, because as you see people's per perfect bodies and perfect faces and perfect skin, what ends up happening is that you start seeing yourself as less than mm -hmm. and 
but you have to remember that their skin is not perfect. Nothing, no one's perfect. Everyone has their imperfections. And that's really, by the way, what makes us beautiful. So it's not even that perfection is, is beauty. It's, it's not, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. There is no one, but anyway, perfect doesn't exist. Although it does remind me of this book when I read when I was my weird teenage self and it was called Pretties. I can't believe it hasn't been turned into a movie yet, but it's about this society when everybody turns 16, they all get plastic surgery to become their most perfect, beautiful selves. The same way kind of like, I don't know, the Hadids do or whatever. And they suddenly transform like, and they're beautiful. But then there's a faction of the society that wants to stay normal. And they're called, I think, uglies or something. And they like run away. And so it's always this choice. When I was younger, I was like, I'd get that surgery. But now I'm like, I don't know what I would do if I would be prettier <laughs> and ugly. <laughs> they're not ugly. They just decide not to, you know, become a quote unquote pretty. So I see that happening all the time. Like, I feel like we kind of live in that book right now. Yes, that's fascinating. Yeah, for sure. I have to read that book. I think you mentioned that to me before. Someone did. So I, I have to go. I have to get my hands on that. But okay, so you you've been in the entertainment industry for a while now. Um, could you share your journey? And then I would love to talk about you know the because you you you're surrounded by beautiful people all the time behind the <laughs> scenes and and in front of the camera, right? So you've interviewed celebrities. Yeah, you interviewed all different types of people. Um, so I would love to talk about you know what you see based on your experiences with, with their self-worth. But first, just, just give a little background so our listeners know exactly like what you do and, and your history. Sure, I'm an entertainment journalist. I'm right now an entertainment editor at today.com. So it's like the website for the Today Show. Um, I got my start working at Refinery29 as an SEO writer in the entertainment uh, field, field, in the entertainment section. And it was a wonderful, place to work at the time. It definitely has its flaws, all of which were reported on, but it had its, um, for me, it was essential because I was working with like people who were so inspiring, uh, so kind, all of them, a lot of them have gone on to have really wonderful careers in media. We're always been helping each other out, getting jobs. So it's been this wonderful networking um, system of support. And yeah, some of the most beautiful people inside and out I ever met there. I remember having a panic attack before I started work. Cause I was like, how am I going to dress? Like I don't have clothes for refinery 29 in my head. I was still that like weird kid, but I ended up fitting in. It was really fun. I grew up. <laughs> and um okay so I worked there for a few years I really learned a lot it was wonderful like I keep saying wonderful it was just like the place where I grew the most and um was able to spread my wings as a writer then I went to Oprah Daily where I was an entertainment editor I got to talk to Oprah on the phone once or twice which was very exciting and um what else yeah so I was in Oprah's world and I love Oprah and everything she has to share. So that was an honor. And then a couple months ago, I started working at today. So it's always been like a similar capacity covering TV, movies, pop culture, books, um, and astrology. That's like a new one that I added. And yeah, I get to meet a lot of beautiful people and they do have good skin in real life. And I'm sorry <laughs> to tell you. <laughs> uh, right. But let's remember also that these people have a lot of help, right? Yes, exactly. I always tell my friends this. It is their full-time job to look like this. It's JLo's full-time job to look that good at her age. Like she does, she's not sitting at a computer for 12 hours to in order to make rent. Like her job is to look like that. So I think that's important for us to remember. Yeah. 
For sure. And have you seen, I mean, I don't know how deep you get with these people, but you're a perceptive person. So have you seen any self-image challenges within these people? Of course, definitely. I mean, so I haven't, when we cover trending news, the kind of things that like celebrities say, and then it'll make a headline. So much of that is about body image. Like, um, oh my gosh, I don't remember her name. She's on Riverdale. She's on Riverdale. Um, oh my God. All right. I don't remember her name, but I know she, I can't even think of all the times that celebrities have spoken out and been like, stop talking about my body. Like Selena Gomez has talked about it. Camille Cabello has talked about it. Like I feel bad for them. Like they're in the public eye and people are taking a picture of them on the beach and being like, oh my gosh, she looks like a beached whale or, oh my gosh, she looks great. It would be like having constant surveillance on your best days and your worst days. And I think that must get to you. Like, I I can't imagine what that's like. And then there's also the pressure of they have to stay. They feel the pressure to stay looking like a certain way. I mean, I even remember that also ties into aging and stuff. There's ageism in Hollywood. So like, Top Gun just came out. Tom Cruise was tapped to return, but the woman who was his love interest in the original movie was not tapped to return because she looks her age and they did it. They cast a much younger woman. Okay. The last thing I'll say is like recently there was um, this actress, Paget Brewster. She posted a picture of her um, gray hair. She was like, I'm done trying to pretend I'm 35. And another actress, Melanie Linsky was like, me too. And everybody in the comments was like, it's so nice to see people their age looking their age on screen. Like, I don't think consumers really want only perfect looking people on their screens. I think they want people who look like people and we're being done a disservice. All of this is a very long-winded answer to say, absolutely. I think celebrities feel the body image stuff that we do. They, they just have different, you know, very different lives, very different pressures, and also very, very different resources. They have the skincare, they have the makeup, they're getting it all for free because they're being paid to get it. And they have the trainers, the time. So that's why they look like that. Okay. It's not like they're better people. It's not like they're more beautiful. They just are being paid to do it. It's that easy. So just remember that if you look <laughs> at someone beautiful online, influencer, celebrity, just be like, that's her job. Okay. I have my job. I got to go focus on it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Even with me, like the other day I had a really bad breakout and I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to make reels? Like my whole, I'm a more beauty brand. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And that's such a, you know, a much like lower level than these celebrities. But I, I was just thinking, I'm like, oh my God, can you imagine if this was, if I had to like do a presentation or something, you know what I mean? Totally. If you, you feel, you just, and, and really it's, it's a shame because we should just embrace these, you know, those days because it's so human. It's easier said than done though. I'm in a, having a breakout now and my skin has been so acting up. Like you'd think at my age, I'd stop getting breakouts, but I haven't. And it changes my mood. Like yeah. I hate looking in the mirror. I'm like, oh, my face, my face, I obsess over it. So easier said than done. Like as much as I'm saying, oh, it would be so great if we were judged other things in our beauty I think a lot of us judge ourselves based on our appearances and like it's hard and you know why because when we feel good when we look good we feel good or at least I'm talking about myself when I look good I feel good so I think that's why I I think that's why sometimes it can be hard to rise above breakout but one must one must (laughs) I know um no I totally agree with you I feel the same way I also feel like I'm 
you know, past the age of breakout. So it's like, hello, moving on in life, you know, I should right. stop. Like I'm still using benzoyl peroxide acne stuff. Um, you should... <laughs> yep. But what can we do? I guess we'll, maybe we'll age later in life. Then. <laughs> That's the doctor. She was like, it's genetic. My mom had breakouts late in her life. And they're, they're these like big, painful pimples. They're not even like cute pimples. They're like <laughs> Vesuvius. I'm like, I didn't even have this when I was a teenager. So I guess whatever. I guess I'm just maturing later, as you said. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, it's funny though, because the truth is that if you think about it, um, you know, looking at someone else who, let's say some, you were looking at someone else who was going through the same thing that you're going through with your skin, right? You would not think twice about it. You probably, you might not even notice what their breakout. So, but for ourselves, of course, we see it. So we could somehow, you know, shift that thought and think like if this was someone else and I was looking in the mirror I'll do that mm-hmm. sometimes I'll be like if I have to look pretty for if I have a date let's say right and I just don't feel I just feel gross I feel ugly I have a breakout I'm bloated whatever it is um I'll say to myself if I was someone else and I was looking at me how what would I think about this person you think damn <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and usually you like if you're really honest with yourself you're gonna think you know oh yeah I wouldn't I, I would think she looks good you know totally Totally. I think that's a really good way of putting it. I can't imagine you not looking good, to be honest, but <laughs> I see, I hear what you're saying. It's like the Ariana Grande song. Like, what does she say? I'd love to see me from your point of view. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, it's like yeah. you have to see yourself from another person's point of view. Someone yes. who loves you. <laughs> totally, totally. Speaking of that, by the way, I always find that, you know, as women, people in our lives really contribute to the way that we see ourselves, especially growing up. So who in your life, has contributed to the way that you see yourself? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think my mom the most, my parents definitely, but my mom always made me feel beautiful even when I wasn't. (laughs) Or she didn't make a big deal out of my weight. And then I just sort of like lost weight naturally. But I think that she could have easily put me on like, you know, Weight Watchers and really made me feel bad for being tall and chubby but she didn't. And then when I kind of changed, she was always like very nice to me, but she didn't ever make me feel like my whole self-worth was my appearance. So that was really important. Um, Who else contributed to my, I think her. And then, I mean, of course, like on the other side, whatever, this is like a can of worms, but I so think that a lot of like all girls, you know, a lot of our sensitive selves are defined by when and how we get attention from guys. So that is, for better or for worse. So I think of course that also defined how I see myself, like that journey. <laughs> I know it is what it is. Like one day you, you walk in the street and then you see the guys looking at you and you're like, Oh, you know? Yeah. It's a good thing. It depends. Sometimes, sometimes you're happy about it. Sometimes you're like, Ugh. it just depends on your, your age, who the person is. And it's complicated and right. you can't really sum it up. <laughs> no, you cannot. You're right. You're right. That's a whole discussion for another day. But um, no, you're right. And you know, that's so important. I love that you said they that your mom. I love that your mom made you feel like you are worth so much more than your just your body alone. Because that is so, so important for girls growing up. And I think that's part of the problem in society that society makes us feel like our self-worth is based on the way we look. Mm-hmm. And that that actually is harmful for not only the girls who might not be society standards of beauty, but also for the girls who are beautiful because then they end up equating their entire worth with the way that they look. 
No, that's so true. It's so true. It's and really, this is a problem unique to women. Like I read this thing. Okay, men can be smart. Women have to be smart and beautiful. Men can be athletic. Women have to be athletic and beautiful. Like the beautiful <laughs> is the baseline of what we're expected to all be. It for women, like we are judged in a way that it's uncomfortable to think about. And I do agree with you. Like beautiful women, I have heard and I've spoken to. It's they struggle when they get older because you really hinge a lot of like your sense of self on your appearance and it's hard when it you lose it like Heather Ray Young she's on Selling Sunset or whatever I think she hasn't eat okay let me rewind <laughs> she just got pregnant and she is talking about like how hard it is to see her body changing and I understand that that is like something so many women deal with when they get pregnant but she's incredibly beautiful and she's with like a playboy model and, and then a real estate agent. So her looks have been a big through line in her life. And so then now I think her body changing is existentially like even more alarming than a normal person who didn't have that path. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. So have you ever struggled with, um, you know, loving your body or loving parts of your body? Oh yeah, of course. Everyone has their thing. I mean, I have multiple things. Let's see. But I have it. I've like, yeah, of course I struggle. So share, I'd love for you to share how you um worked on that because I think it's it's nice for people to listen and to get encouragement and advice on how to work on loving themselves, even when you don't necessarily start off loving yourself. Ever. That's a good question. So I think it's twofold. So I'm going to be honest. Uh, (laughs) The thing I hated about myself the most was my nose. I had a bump in my nose and then I broke my nose and I went to the doctor and they found out I had a deviated septum and I had to get surgery. And so they were like, how do you feel about your nose? And I said, (laughs) I hate my nose. And so I had to get surgery and they removed the bump on my nose that I hated. So it was like, suddenly this thing you hate most about yourself, you wake up and it's gone. And suddenly I was like, oh my God, my problems were solved. I really, in my heart, I never admitted it. I really did think my problems would be solved after my nose changed. Then when my life is exactly the same, nobody noticed, nobody said anything. I was like, oh crap, my nose changed, but I'm still me. I don't regret it at all. I think it was the best decision ever. Like I used to hate like turning to the side, like dumb stuff. I would have gotten over it, but it was, I was old enough that I like made the decision, um, not from shame, but like from a place of empowerment. I'm so happy I made it, but I will say like that, I think I realized that you can change a part of yourself, but really the key is just to love yourself. Like I could change all my parts. And if I didn't love myself, I'd still want to be changing all my parts. So I think having done that, it has made me not need to do another procedure almost because I'm like, this could be a slippery slope. So I haven't done one yet, but who knows? Like never say never. (laughs) I just want to say one thing about um, what you just mentioned about the nose, because that's something that, um, you know, so often people talk about how they grew to love certain things that, and they, and they didn't change it. Right. But this is a perfect example of, you know, that it's okay yeah, exactly. To change things if you want to, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There are so many people who fight against being like, no, embrace yourself no matter, you know, no matter what, even if you could change it, it doesn't matter. This is the way you are. And other people are like, no, just change everything. Whatever. You know, so there's, there yep. has to be a happy medium. And like you said, if you don't love yourself, nothing else is going to, even when you fix it, it's not going to help. 
Amen. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I've spoken to a lot of people about this in my position and I always encourage them to listen to themselves and if they can afford it and they, it's important for them to do it. I, I don't regret it for a second, improve my confidence. Um, it changed my life for the better. And I have encouraged my other friends with deviated septums to do the same thing because um, I agree with you. I just think that like it should be you making the decision. You should be realistic about the changes you expect to happen. And yeah, know why you're doing it, like the intention. Um, it improved my confidence, but it did not fix my problems. <laughs> it just didn't. Look, there are things I love about myself and there are things that are challenging. My hair is challenging. It requires like a whole different schedule than other people. So I can't just wake up in the morning. I can't go on the amazing race. It's hard for me to like check luggage. It's hard for me to bring luggage onto an airplane without checking it because of my hair products. That's a pain in the neck. Another big one. I don't have big boobs. That's a huge thing, right? Because that's another way of like changing your life for a man. And why, you know, thinking about plastic surgery, who would, who would that be for that kind of thing? And what did I, I think that all of this stuff, like I just learned to embrace it. I learned to look at the bright side of it. And I have to think instead of looking at myself through the lens of how other people see me, I have to look at myself through the lens of how I see me. Like, okay, I can go on runs. <laughs> like, I don't need to wear bras. My hair is fun. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what to say. Like once I start looking at myself not through other people's eyes. I know we were just talking about how it's a good thing, but like, um, and I also think, okay, not to get philosophical, but our bodies are like amazing. They're miracles. They are running, doing these insane things that we're not even asking them to. They're keeping us alive. Like we have to be 5 million times nicer to our bodies and our faces are just what we were born with on a fluke accidentally, but our body, we should be like blessed we should be thanking our bodies for existing and functioning and like, instead of trying to change them and hate them. So I really wish that like, we could all just love ourselves a little bit more for keeping ourselves alive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. No, I yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. You know, it sounds like what you're saying also is, is just finding the, the positive aspects and the positive exactly. attributes in what you've been served, you know, because I mean, technically, if you really want to, you get your hair chemically straightened, but you don't want it. You love exactly. your curly hair. Exactly. Yeah. You got to, my mom always said, you got to play the cards you're dealt. <laughs> like these are the cards I was dealt. I'm prematurely graying. I'm like, oh crap. I always joke about it. I'm like curly hair and gray. Come on, give me one or the other, but <laughs> you get certain cards. And soon I think you just sort of have to embrace the hand. Eventually you can you can keep changing and changing and changing, or you can start playing your cards, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's really, I think, like, as you said, it's, it's, it's self-love aspects and then, you know, loving yourself and then, okay, if you really want to change something for whatever reason, go for it, but really think about it because you can't really go back. What are you going to do? You can't go back. Exactly. Exactly. It's a slippery slope. I think you should do what you want to do to feel beautiful and feel confident and feel like you're your best self. Everybody can define that for themselves. It's so important that you don't let anyone define it for you. Um, but also know that like there are people out there who love you just the way you are. And if they're making you feel pressure to change yourself, like in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable, you know, you got to listen to your gut on that one because you, I don't know, like, I think that there are people out there who will love you as you are. And that's so important to remember. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, everyone, you know, 
every single human is worthy of love, no matter how they look like, and I, yeah. and they should receive it. I keep laughing to myself about uh, face masks, like that, that we call them face masks. Cause I'm like, but are, are not all faces masks. <laughs> and like, this is just the mask we've been given to walk through the world with. It defines so much of how we walk through the world, but it is not us. And so don't fall into the trap of letting of thinking your face is you because it's not. And that goes for beautiful people and for people who are, may not be a societally considered beautiful. It's not you. It's just the way that people perceive you and that in turn shapes your personality, but don't let it be your whole personality, really. Let's think a little more creatively. <laughs> yes, totally. That's why I think that sometimes you see people who were never accepted for the way that they looked and they're the most fun, funny, awesome people because they had to work on their personality so much, you know? Oh, exactly. That's what I said before. That's why I, I thank God I wasn't good looking in high school. Thank God. Who knows what I would have become. <laughs> then I got to enjoy it when I got better looking. I got to be like, oh, I could, you can get to see life from both sides. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I will say like to everyone who's listening, who struggled with like body dysmorphia or feeling like obsessing over their looks. I've been there. I had to go see a therapist. Like this shit's real. And if you need help, if you're constantly thinking about how you look and fixating on a certain body part or something, like, you know, I would recommend like getting help of a help from someone because I had to like break thought patterns of like self-loathing. Like it's crazy. You think that you, well, I shouldn't use that word. It's frustrating. You think you like move beyond this stuff but to a certain degree there's the teenager inside of all of us so I think it's more prevalent than ever and I hope that everyone finds a way to feel beautiful no matter how they look <laughs> like yeah. you know just find yeah, you sure. what beauty is for them so this stuff is real and I'm happy you have this podcast because it's important to have co- real honest conversations about beauty since we are all chasing after it we all want it um but you also like and it, it is important but like it, well, the most important thing is to be taught to talk about it since it can be so private like you, you talk about the makeup you wear and the the skincare but you don't really talk about why you're doing all this and to talk about the why that's like the messy part the uncomfortable part so it's good that you're doing this thank you yeah i know i think it's so important and um you know even the most beautiful people struggle with their self-image and people just don't realize that because everyone's so involved in their own lives and the way mm-hmm. and the mirror in front of them so it's just it's, it's interesting like hearing people's views on these things you know yeah exactly and they struggle and they don't really get that much sympathy either <laughs> no right I mean, and you know it's like yeah it's 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 a complicated thing <laughs> right because it's like at the end of the day if, you know JLo came out tomorrow and said that she feels so insecure with the way she looked like no one would feel bad for her do you know what I'm saying yeah, exactly exactly so I think I think we should have more empathy for ourselves and for other people and hopefully by having like kindness for yourself you will love yourself more I don't know it sounds so basic but like <laughs> we're all so fragile <laughs> I know it's true by the way what let me ask you you know because I'm sure you have really great advice to give over what positive habits have you have you developed to improve your self-esteem um not making sure that when I go to take a picture the camera isn't on the front forward (laughs) so I get an accidental (laughs) look at myself um positive 
I I don't go on Instagram that or, or once I see I I feel like I'm going on Instagram too much I stop like I really pay attention to my um I really pay attention to my social media use I try to like take a lot of walks do things to kind of clear my mental health and honestly lately the thing that's been making me feel the best is the return of like social functions I love getting dressed up and I love finding an outfit I feel good in and having some nice pictures of myself like I I it makes me feel really good and it is a celebration of life and like a beauty in a really deliberate way like that means that all the rest of the days I can just kind of go around and look normal and then once in a while I just get to like have a lot of fun and I always like to do things through the lens of fun so I have fun while doing it and it yeah it's just that that's what I do <laughs> that's my I love that. yeah yeah for sure it's so interesting hearing everyone's you know what what everyone does to make themselves feel better some people it's just about self-care and other people it's about self-care is you know going out to events and being around people good for you so that's interesting yeah yeah so if you had one message to give over to the next generation of women what would that message be it would be to, it, it would be that everyone's going to give you advice. Everyone's going to tell you what to do. Everyone's going to try to control you. You're one. <laughs> the most important thing you can do is to develop a connection with yourself, to work on the phone line to your intuition and let really let those messages guide you too and, and know yourself, know yourself because your gut is going to help you through life, like more than, you know, what your dad wants you to do, or your mom wants you to do these ultimately you are in control. So I think with women, like a lot of us, what can be pleasers, we want to make everyone happy, but stay true to yourself, know yourself the same way that, you know, men do. Okay. Whatever. That's, <laughs> that's too basic. Just know yourself. I, I think that, and then that means different things for everyone. Like feminist, you have to define what your idea of a fulfilling, happy life looks like, and only you can know that. And that, that could mean, you know, having a conventional path. It could mean not having one, but you have to know yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Love it. Okay. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? You can find me on Instagram at, at Elena Wonders. I try to share my crazy opinions and have fun with it and um yeah i love like interacting with people on twitter i mean on instagram which is how i met this wonderful podcast host so please follow me it'll be out like a party and i also have um a twitter with the same handle and i have a podcast too which you're welcome to listen to i match people up with books based on their answers to dating app questions and it's called blind date with a book so that's where you can find me that's so cool. I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. So all that information is going to be in the show notes. So you can find Elena there. Um, you could just, you know, look below. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was so fun to have you. Thank you for having me for asking such thoughtful questions at a wonderful time. Thank you. My pleasure. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K and on our website, carmelacosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 